Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. And in this episode, we're going to take a journey up to a small village in Ionia County called Lake Odessa. It has a fascinating history, and it perhaps is one of the only villages I've come across that actually moved the entire village to its present location at one time. So stick around. It's a very interesting story. Lake Odessa is a village in Ionia County, and the population was just a little over 2,000 as of the 2010 census. It's located on the southern portion of the county in Odessa Township on the northeast shore of Jordan Lake, which is the boundary with Barrie County. A man by the name of Humphrey R. Wager, a capitalist from Ionia, and Saranac developed Lake Odessa in 1887 after buying an 80-acre farm through which the Detroit, Lansing, and Northern Railway was to build a new track to Grand Ledge and Grand Rapids. The original town, known as Bonanza, was settled slightly north of today's Lake Odessa, and it folded up and moved south when the first train came through in 1888. Prior to the construction of the new railroad tracks, what is now Lake Odessa was a broad expanse of fertile farmland, and the typical country crossroad was about one mile north of Jordan Lake. Before the advent of the railway, no one had ever dreamed of Lake Odessa. Bonanza was the big settlement in this area and for that time period it was a bustling industrial center and it was kind of a strange twist of fate in broadening civilization that in the space of a few years practically a whole town moved and a corporate village was created in the midst of meadowlands leaving the original settlement to revert to cornfields. The principal merchants in Bonanza simply moved whole buildings, inventory and all, to this new location. Lake Odessa's name was derived from the two lakes, Tupper Lake and Jordan Lake, and the township within the village was incorporated, Odessa Township. The township was named by a committee in 1846, hoping to be somewhat exclusive while at the same time honoring one of Russia's cities. The committee, chaired by Elder Tupper, undoubtedly endorsed the suggestion of a young man by the name of Myron Tupper, who was a great reader of history, and he also admired Russian lore. The main street, which is 4th Avenue in the village of Lake Odessa, was constructed in 1887, but it was really nothing more than a muddy lane until it was first paved in 1916. The Lake Odessa Public School was built in 1888, and it also put on an addition in 1896, and then was demolished by a fire in 1921, after which it was immediately rebuilt. Now, the village paid $1,000 for the park property on South Main Street in 1900. The park remains today in its natural state with more than 200 towering maple and birch trees and a gigantic oak which shed its first leaves when Abraham Lincoln was a young boy. Over the years the Lake Odessians have always been very proud of their beautiful park and the public beach at Jordan Lake. In 1991 over 400 volunteers worked feverishly for five days 
building the very popular Swifties Place in the park, which is a wooden playground superstructure constructed with enough timber to build five homes. The beach at Jordan Lake underwent a quarter million dollar renovation in 1994 using local funds and also a DNR grant. In 1967, the Page Memorial Building was built as a village and township hall with funds donated by the estate of a successful Lake Odessa businessman, Frank Page, who inherited the bulk of his fortune from a milk condensing process developed by his father. The village of Lake Odessa celebrated its 100th birthday recently with a year-long centennial. The historic train depot was moved to a new location to serve as a local museum, and the village built a 300,000-gallon water tower along with a larger municipal well and iron removal plant. Now, the Lake Odessa Area Historical Society and Museum is downtown in Lake Odessa, Michigan, and it's actually the home of a variety of historical items pertaining to the Lake Odessa area, including an impressive collection of artifacts from a German POW camp that once existed near Lake Odessa during World War II. It also has a Pear Marquette Railroad Depot, which was built in 1887, and it also has a restored Grand Trunk Caboose and various other historical displays. It also has the Ionia County Genealogical Library and the Hosford House. Operations are determined by a board of directors, but the Historical Society is a society managed by the president, and the museum is a private nonprofit museum, completely self-funded through various events and through philanthropists. So let's talk about some of the parts of this museum. The depot building, which was built in 1888, was originally the property of the Detroit Lansing and Northern Railroad and later the Pierre Marquette Railroad, which was a merger of three Michigan-based railway systems beginning in the late 1800s. Eventually, the system became part of the C&O Railroad. The depot served Lake Odessa for over 82 years until the last tickets were sold to passengers in 1971. The building itself is not a large structure, but it is important architecturally, as it's the only Russian Omate-style building in the state of Michigan. In 1987, the railroad sold the depot to the Historical Society. The depot consists of various rooms, including a ticket office, a lobby, which includes both a ladies' and a gentleman's waiting room, and a baggage room. There's also a freight station building built in 2005 and reminiscent of the original freight station building. The building houses the main section of the museum, and the building is also home to the Ionia County Genealogical Society and has an extensive library housing a wealth of information for anyone interested in their family history in this area. The museum also includes a schoolroom. It's a recreation of a classroom from the original Lake Odessa High School, and it's in the freight station building. The high school, originally built in 1888, which had burned down, was rebuilt in 1921. The building was torn down in the 1990s, but the Historical Society was able to retrieve 
several items from the building, including the gymnasium scoreboard. Also in the same room is a library commemorating the Lake Odessa High School's library, the Grace Nickel Library named in honor of a teacher who had worked at the school. This library includes an extensive collection of old school textbooks from the 1860s all the way up into the 1980s. There's also a Native American history exhibit in their museum. Surrounded by three lakes, early Native Americans made their summer dwellings in this area around Lake Odessa. Several tribes frequented the area, including the Potawatomi, the Ottawa, and the Ojibwe, before white settlers arrived in the area around 1839. The Historical Society has many artifacts, maps, descriptions of the Native American lifestyle, traditions, and some of their homes. There's also a Bonanza exhibit, the original village that was moved. Bonanza was a small town that was a predecessor to Lake Odessa. It started in the 1870s. Bonanza continued until the railroad was constructed and passed through the area which became known as Lake Odessa in 1888. Lake Odessa was about a half a mile to the south of Bonanza, but its proximity to the railway made it the ideal location for commerce. In order to be successful, merchants literally picked up their buildings and moved them to this new town of Lake Odessa, which I covered earlier. The railroad's location and the development of the village of Lake Odessa put an end to the life of Bonanza even though it was only a half a mile away. And some of the notable items in the museum is the cornerstone from the Bonanza School and also a rocking chair that was brought into the area by the Dexter family, which were early settlers in Bonanza. Those are a couple of items that are in the museum that go back to that period. There's also a farm exhibit showing a lot of the farming implements and engines of many types that they were used in the farming and also in the dairy industry. And then, of course, there is an early Lake Odessa exhibit, which includes uh, businesses and displays of artifacts that individuals owned in the area. And there's a collection of medicine bottles and other pharmaceutical equipment, as well as the Smith Brothers elevator and artifacts from the Lake Odessa Canning Company, which is going to come into play here in a minute when I go into a little bit more about some of the history around World War II. There's also a medical history exhibit in the museum, which includes a lot of the old furniture, medical equipment, x-ray machines, and the like, as well as old wheelchairs. And then there's also an exhibit to the original local newspaper, which was called the Lake Odessa Wave. And it was published from 1888 to the 1980s, and these were donated by a local family. But the Prisoner of War exhibit is perhaps one of the more interesting ones at this museum. From 1944 to 1945, a German POW camp was established in the Lake Odessa area to provide workers in the Lake Odessa Canning Company and also to local farms. Now, these POW camps were called branch camps. The main camp was at Fort Custer in Battle Creek, and from that camp, they, they established branch camps all over the state and one of them was near Lake Odessa. So the exhibit at the museum has both kind of a state and national importance, and not many of the other states in the United States have any remains of a POW camp 
or their buildings or any other structures in their museums or exhibits, not to mention any artifacts of a POW camp, which the Lake Odessa Museum has. In late 1944, five German POWs escaped from the camp, and they were recovered about four miles west of Lake Odessa. After their capture, a POW hat was found by a young boy. He then saved it, and he donated it to the museum years later. When the U.S. Army dismantled the camp in 1945, a few remnants remained and were salvaged by local area residents, and they made their way into the museum. Among those items include a POW identification tag, which was found by a young boy who had explored the area where the camp was after it had closed. Some other notable items of interest include the display of a, of a wooden mailbox, which was labeled Briefkasten, which is the German word for mailbox, uh, a letter sent from Fort Custer, the parent camp of the POW camp, and detailed information on Heinz Hanneth, a former POW who returned to Europe after the war and took his wife and family out of Germany to settle in Holland, Michigan. The family has provided a wealth of information concerning Heinz's imprisonment in the Lake Odessa POW camp. Some of the other notable items in the exhibit include a horse-drawn mail wagon from 1903, a 1964 Chrysler New Yorker, and also the Hosford House. That was a house that existed in the 1890s in the early Lake Odessa period. So that gives you a little bit of an interesting history of the area around Lake Odessa and some of their artifacts in their historical society and their museum if you want to pay them a visit. It's kind of interesting that the entire village moved, even if it was only a half a mile, because the railroad had been built through and it made more sense for the merchants to move their shops right there when people got off the trains. And of course, when the merchants moved, I imagine all the residents in the houses said, well, we got to move too. And either they went and rebuilt new houses or actually physically moved their houses. I don't know. It didn't say in the articles that I researched, but I would imagine there was probably a combination of both of those happening. So it's just a very interesting history. And it kind of has a reflection on the importance of the railroads within the communities and how a lot of these small villages that exist today originally had a railroad line going through it. And the train stations that were there were a key hub for people coming and going from the communities. So that's going to do it for today's journey through history, looking at the history of Lake Odessa. It's a fascinating little community. If you liked today's episode, be sure to take a, a minute and leave a review on whatever app that you're listening to. It always helps me to reach out to new people. And if you'd like to reach out to me, you can check me out at michaeldelaware.com and send me a message. I'd be happy to hear from you. I always welcome new suggestions for history in the area. And if you'd like to support the work that I'm doing there, there's some links on that website where you can make a direct donation as well as buy some merchandise. And until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday and explore yet another interesting tale of Southwest Michigan's past. Thanks for listening.